0: Hello and greetings, everyone. I'm Pastor Edwin Strickland, and I serve as the senior pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church International, a worldwide ministry helping people to learn to live out their God-given dreams by walking in love and living by faith. And I get to be your host and your guide for this exciting journey that we're about to take that we call Ed Talk with Pastor Strickland. hello 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 good afternoon good evening maybe even good morning depending on where you are watching this from i am so excited to be here once again with you my virtual listeners Uh, i want to welcome you to another edition of ed talk with pastor strick i am your boy pastor strick and i am so excited to be here this afternoon listen i get to be your host once a week and come and talk with you about things that I believe God shares on my heart that will help you absolutely change your life. One of the things I believe that if we can learn to change our thinking, we are able to change our lives. And so I'm happy to be here to be a part of that journey with you. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready to go today. I believe that today's podcast is going to be nothing short of inspiring and empowering. We're gonna dive deep today uh, into our topic about dealing with change and uncertainty. That's what we're gonna talk about because that's something that every person deals with, change and uncertainty. In fact, the only thing that is constant Is change, and so we're going to take a look at this from a psychological perspective. We're going to look at it uh, from the Word of God perspective, and we're going to uh, realign our thinking and realign the way that we see things, so that change and uncertainty is not something that we fear. It's not something that holds us uh, in in a state of paralysis, but it's something that we learn how to embrace, so that we can grow and become better as a result. So you guys know what I ask you to do every time on this podcast. I ask you to, if you are watching live, to let me know you're watching live. Those of you that may be watching via uh, YouTube or Facebook, you'll know that you're watching live because there's a small red box in the upper corner of your screen that says live. So if you are watching live, go ahead and hashtag the word live. If you happen to be catching this at some other time and you don't see that box, that means you missed the live broadcast, but you are still watching the replay. And I assure you that the anointing and the learning is just the same. So I appreciate those of you that are watching live and I appreciate those of you who will end up watching on the replay. The other thing I ask you to do is to help me out with a little social media outreach. In other words, what I'd like for you to do is to take a moment. I'd like for you to share this to your story, share it to your page. I'd like you to tag some friends. I see many of you've already done it in the comment section. You're already letting your friends know, hey, Ed Talk is live. Come on, jump over here. Let's see what we're going to learn today. And so I appreciate you for doing that already. Just help me out with some social media outreach. And then if you have not uh, subscribed to the podcast, I'm gonna ask you to do that. The easiest way to do it is to subscribe to the YouTube page. All you have to do is type the URL that says Pastor Strict, one word, pastorstrict.com. That would immediately take you to the YouTube page. And when you get to that YouTube page, you can just click that subscribe button. And then once you click that subscribe button, you will be subscribed to my podcast. You can watch all of season one because it's all there. And then if you happen to miss one in season two, you can always go back and catch it. So I appreciate you guys for uh, subscribing. Also, there are multiple ways in which you can watch, right? You can watch on Apple. You can watch on the go- on Google. You can watch on Amazon. You can watch or listen on iHeartRadio. So any place that you listen to your favorite podcast, you can probably find Ed Talk with Pastor Strick on there. Okay. So I appreciate you guys for that. Listen, in the event that I have any first time listeners, let me shout you out. Thank you for joining us. Maybe someone tagged you and you just, or maybe you were just scrolling and you happen to uh, see this podcast. We are listed uh, in most places as self-help But I said uh, to many people last week, the best self-help you can have is help from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so while uh, I do believe in teaching practical uh, things that you can use in your daily life, I need you to know that every one of them, every one of them is rooted in the word of God, because uh, without him, I could be nothing. uh, And because of him, I'm everything that I am. And so I want you to understand that we're going to be talking about ways in which to improve our thinking, But all of that is going to be based on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All right. So, again, good afternoon and welcome uh, to Ed Talk with Pastor Strick. I just have one announcement that I want to make before we jump into today's teaching. Okay, And that announcement has to do with something that's going to be happening tonight. Tonight, my wife and I, Pastor Sean, we're going to be doing Relationships 101. Relationships 101 is a class that we host once a month. We host it on the second Tuesday of the month. Uh, it is tonight at 7 p.m. And it is not just for married couples. It is not just for people who are dating. Relationships 101 is for anyone who is involved in any kind of relationship, whether that's friendship, whether that's a dating relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's your co-workers, your family. If you interact with other people in your life, Relationships 101 is for you. Now, tonight, Specifically, we're going to be talking about finding love again. Now, why is that important? Because we know that there are people who have been involved in some pretty tough breakups. We know there are people who have gotten married and then ended in divorce. We know there are people who have been married to the love of their life and through something uh, that, that, that they couldn't control, one of, one of those persons went on uh, and, and passed away. And and, and, and and now they they are in a state where do I do I continue to stay single or do I love again or how does all of that work? And so we have some guests that we have pulled together and we're going to jump into all of those topics tonight. So you are not going to want to miss it. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be good. The easiest way and hear me out. The easiest way to be able to watch that tonight is to watch that on the Edwin and Sean Strickland Facebook page. You say, well, how do I find that? All you have to do is go to any browser, any browser there that you have. And if you type in Facebook.com, right? Facebook.com slash Camp C A M P S T R I C K, one word, just like you see on your screen there. And you will go directly to uh, the video that we'll be doing tonight at 7 p.m. We probably will be streaming in some other places, maybe places that you're watching right now, but for sure it will be streamed on the Edwin and Sean Strickland Facebook page at Facebook.com Camp strip all right? So I encourage you all to come and be with us uh, at 7 o'clock tonight. Now, let's get into today's podcast topic, which happens to be dealing with change and uncertainty dealing with change and uncertainty and in this world we live in we better learn how to deal with change and we better learn how to deal with uncertainty because one thing is for sure they will both come into our lives at some point they will both come into our lives at some point point. and so i'm going to actually start i'm going to share a story with you uh that some of you may be uh, familiar with some of you may not be some of you may have heard it we know that a lot of people came into uh watching Uh, Pastor Sean and I in the midst of the pandemic when everything got locked down and everybody went online People started watching and people started sharing and so that's how we've met a lot of people But some of you may have known us for a while Uh, Some of you may not have known us through uh, all of this story, but you may have uh, known us through some of it So I want to begin today's episode by just sharing uh, My personal journey that I've had with change and uncertainty as I said, some of you may know this story, but some of you may not. Uh, This story actually begins almost 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, when I was pastoring a church called Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, A-L-C-F, right, Uh, in the city of Fayetteville, Arkansas. My wife and I uh, got called into ministry. And I say we got called together, even though she wasn't preaching at the time, the Lord called us both because he knew what he was going to do. And so we started pastoring a church in 2001. Uh, and in 2001, we had kind of built up with you know, a strong sense of community and we had a small but dedicated congregation. However, through a combination of factors, including an opportunity to reach what we believe was a larger population uh, at the time, it led to us making a decision five years later uh, to move our ministry to Texas. And at the time, we were we we were filled with optimism. They did a whole story about us in the paper. And uh, one of our kids had a a famous quote that said, uh, if we move and we and, and it doesn't work out, we can always come home. Uh, And that kind of became a mantra of how we how we still to this day live our life. If God calls us to do something, uh, we're going to do it. And if we find out we miss God, then we trust God to put us back on the right path. And so we struck out and we went to Texas. And this was a monumental change for us at the time because we were stepping into a new realm of deep uncertainty. In fact the relocation of the ministry to Texas was a whirlwind of adjustments because it brought in uh having to interact with a new community we had new routines in our living situations we had new challenges that we had to face and despite all of those things we managed to reestablish the ministry uh in a new environment in a new city uh and yet just as we were beginning to kind of settle in Uh, Some circumstances shifted and things changed and we got a word from the Lord to move the ministry from Texas to Arkansas. And at that time, we moved the ministry to Conway, Arkansas. And the move was 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 right at the time. It was the right decision to make. But I have to admit that when we got the word to do that, it felt like we were uprooted once again, just as we were starting to build. Uh, And then we got to Conway and, you know, we we were there for, for almost Almost a decade. Uh, And we faced some uphill battles with different things. But we also had the opportunity to be reintroduced to some new people and new community and reestablish some connections and to make our presence known. And um, it taught us a whole lot about trusting God. Because during that time, Pastor Sean and I were living in northwest Arkansas, which is about three hours away from our church in, uh, in Conway at the time. And we originally was driving twice a week on Sundays and on Wednesdays. And that was about a two and a half hour trip one way. Uh, and we did that for multiple years, and then we had some people step up and they started taking care of Wednesdays, And so we were only doing it on Sundays. Um, and 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 God graced us. <laughs> he graced us. He taught us, He taught us what it meant to be able to do hard things when He graces us to do it. And so we had done that for all, oh, like I said, almost a decade. And then, as, after several years, we got a word that we were supposed to come back and move the ministry back to Northwest Arkansas. And that's where we've been since about 2015. Uh, And that's a lot of change. That's a lot of uncertainty. And a lot of people would feel like, oh my goodness, uh, what what was y'all doing? You know, just running around, you know, and it can be perceived that way. But here's what we learned. We learned how to hear God, and we learned how to follow God, even in the midst of uncertainty. And a lot of people need to learn that because if you learn how to trust God in the midst of uncertainty, then when new challenges and new opportunities come your way, you're not likely to miss it. Because what this did for us is it strengthened, Pastor Sean and I, uh, as a couple, it strengthened us as ministry leaders. And the other thing it did is it strengthened the leaders who were were with us, the the ministry leaders who went with us to Texas, the ones who came back to Arkansas, the ones who are still with us today. Uh, And what it did, it reinforced in all of us the understanding that change and uncertainty are just different sides of the same coin. And it's a coin that if we use it properly, will buy growth, it will buy resilience, and it will renew a sense of purpose in each of us. And so today I want to take a few minutes not going to be before you long, but I want to talk about how to navigate these unpredictable waters of change and uncertainty. Now, if you've ever faced any kind of change or uncertainty in your life, I need you to put a one in the group. And if you haven't, you probably haven't been living (laughs) because everybody has faced some kind of change and some kind of uncertainty. Uh, And I want to talk about today, not just how we survive change, not just how we survive uncertainty but how we thrive in it, uh, how we become better as a result of it. Because if there's one thing I've learned from moving our church several times, moving our ministry from one state to another, from one city to another, it is that change and uncertainty are not the enemies. That's not what the enemy, most of the things that we're facing is not the change. It's not the uncertainty. Those things are not the enemies. In fact, if we learn how to harness this properly, change and uncertainty become the catalyst for growth and self-discovery in our lives. I am better today as a result of having made those ministry moves. My faith has grown as a result of making those moves. I, I trust God. I lean on God. I rely on him more as a result of having to make those moves. And so, as I said, you know, we're talking about, uh, Self-help and and, and developing ourselves. But again, so much of this for my own personal life is rooted in God's word. And so I'm going to share something with you that I was reading this week that I thought really, really, really uh, made a difference in how I even see change and uncertainty more than I did before I came upon this particular scripture in the way that was written. Most of you probably heard this scripture. It's Matthew chapter six is verse thirty four. Um, and I'm reading it out of the amplified version right now, but if you read out of the King James, it would say something like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have its own problems. Tomorrow take care of itself. This particular version says, so do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. See there, the the word of God tells me not to be anxious. There's going to be change and there's going to be uncertainty, but he tells me not to be anxious about it. It says, "For tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own." It doesn't mean I have to worry. It doesn't mean I have to have an anxiety about tomorrow. It just means that whatever is in tomorrow will have the opportunity for that tomorrow. Don't worry about that today. It says, "Sufficient for each day is its own trouble," and so I understand that scripture and I like it, but I just kept feeling like there was there was a, there was a different heart. Uh, around this. And so I started searching for other scriptures and I came across this one in the message translation that I shared with our tribe yesterday. And for me, it really changed my life. For me, it did. And here's what it says. And I want you to think about this in terms of learning how to deal with change and uncertainty. It says in Matthew chapter six, verse 34, in the message translation, it says, give your entire attention. Now watch this to what God is doing right now. It says, give your entire attention. And so if I'm giving my entire attention to all the things that God is doing right now, I don't even have time to think about anxieties and things of tomorrow. He says, it says in the scripture, and do not get worked up. Do not get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. I love this last part. It says, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when they come up. I love that. He says, God will help you deal with hard things. When hard things come, God will help you deal with that. Somebody ought to type in the comment section, God helps me deal with hard things. God helps me deal with hard things. And because if if that becomes my basis, then when change and uncertainty raises its head in my life, I'm no longer terrified. I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. I'm not paralyzed with fear and doubt. Why? Because God helps me deal with hard things. His word says that I am to give my attention to what he is doing in my life right now, and that I should not get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow because he will help me deal with whatever hard things come. Amen. And so, of course, I started reading that and I just got so excited because then I couple that with my other favorite scripture, which many of you know, is Philippians four, six and seven And Philippians four and six says, do not worry about anything. It says, instead, pray about everything. You tell God what you need, and then you thank him for all that he has done. And then when you've done that, you will experience God's peace. That word peace, there is the word shalom. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. It says it will exceed anything we can even understand. See, sometimes we're worried about stuff what's gonna happen on tomorrow or what's gonna happen next week or what's gonna happen next month. But the word of God says, listen, focus your attention on what God is doing today. Do not get worked up about what may come tomorrow. The only thing you need to know is that that when hard things show up, God will help you. And not only will God help you, now that you know that, stop worrying about anything. Instead, spend your time praying about everything and then tell God what you need. And once you've done that, believe you receive, he says, and then thank him for all that He done. Because that is when you will experience nothing missing and nothing broken. That's when you will experience how God will exceed anything that you could even have understood. It says, and then his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you continue to live in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so when I started reading about this, I had to include those because we're going to talk about some technical things, but I had to include that word because though that word, the word from God is what needs to anchor you as we begin to talk about the psychology or the psychological impact of change and uncertainty, all right? And so that's what we're gonna talk about first. We're gonna spend our time talking about the psychological impact of change and uncertainty, and then we'll come and we'll spend a little time and we'll start to talk about how uh, the positive aspects of uh, change and uncertainty, and then we'll talk about some strategies in which we can use uh, to overcome uh, change and adversity, all right? So that's our plan for today. So let's, let's talk real quick about how human beings, okay, are generally wired to resist change. And we're generally wired to resist change due to our inherent preference for familiarity and predictability. We like as human beings, we like what's familiar. As human beings, we like what is predictable. And we're going to talk about why that's important, and then we're going to explore this psychological impact that uncertainty has on our minds. And we're going to explain how the fear of the unknown actually triggers, and we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, how it triggers our flight or fight response, which ends up leading to sometimes a heightened sense of stress and anxiety. My wife was sharing with me about someone she knows who had taken a stress test and they had taken a stress test, and the stress test came back that they were on the far end of being stressed, even though the person didn't realize they were stressed. And she was explaining that that is why stress is known as a silent killer. And so if you don't understand the psychological impacts that change and uncertainty is having on you, then if you don't understand it, you don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to control it. And if you don't know how to control it, you may feel like everything is okay, but your body's seeing something totally different. And so we're going to talk about uh, the reason that that is so important. And then lastly, in this section, we'll discuss the concept of something called uncertainty intolerance. And and we'll talk about this in detail because I think it's important. We're going to talk about uncertainty intolerance and how it can manifest in different ways in our lives, so let's let's jump into this. Let me say it like this: Human beings, for the most part, not everybody, not every person, but for the most part, human beings are creatures of habit. In fact, we thrive in routine, we thrive with consistency, and we thrive with predictability. It's been ingrained in our very nature, and as a result, it's been uh, reinforced through years and years and years of psychological hardwiring of our brains due to um, us becoming aware over time of of, of trying to keep ourselves safe, okay? We have some hardwired things in our brains. Uh, we, We come with them, they're already there. And if you begin to look throughout history, you'll find that being able to predict certain outcomes and to operate within them uh, w- operate within those known routines, they become beneficial to our survival. Like it's it's beneficial for me to know um, that if I see a bear in the woods, that's a sign of danger. Um, and, 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 and probably the first person who ever saw a bear in the woods may not have been aware of that. But if they got killed by the bear and somebody else saw it, then they started to recognize that bear could mean danger. Well, you and I have lived um, and, and we have eons of programming in our brain that lets us know what things are safe and what things aren't. And so it is beneficial for us as humans, right? I'm talking about just, just strictly as human beings, to understand the familiarity with, with what's going to happen. So living in a familiar environment, it, it it helps us to know what resources are available. It helps us to predict certain threats and it keeps us relatively safe. If you were to change that environment, right, and then we went to a different environment or something changed like uh, the, the arrival of the weather or the arrival of a new predator or the migration of our food source, then that could signify potential danger for us. And so as human beings, we like to know what's going to happen. And as a result, we have evolved, so to speak, to feel comfortable in predictable circumstances and we have evolved to be mistrustful of change now someone says what does all this have to do with anything it has everything to do with everything because most of us want to live a lifestyle at a higher level but if you are adverse to change if you are adverse to uncertainty then you will never take the necessary risk you will never take the necessary steps to live at the next level. You won't go after the promotion. You won't go after the new job. You won't go after the new opportunity. You won't start the business. You won't do the thing that is unpredictable for you because you don't realize that you like living in a place of safety so much. Now watch this. Even when the predictable thing is predictable, and we know that the predictable thing is bad, we will choose in many cases to go with the predictably bad thing than to go with the thing that could be better. Wow. What what do I mean? Because people believe that safety somehow equates to their freedom or it somehow equates to them being in a place that they can control. Let me give you an example. When, when we encounter, when we account, well, I don't, I'll, I'll save that example. Let me save that. L- let, me, let me save that one. I'll save it for something because I'm going to talk about uncertainty and tolerance. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. Here's what happens. When we encounter change, okay, our brains, if not retrained, will interpret them as a threat and then respond by releasing stress hormones like cortisol. Now, most of you understand this. Cortisol is a is a relic hormone uh, from our ancestors who 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 from whom change often signified danger. And if you ever seen a deer before, even if you haven't seen one in real life, you've seen a, a picture of a deer and a deer can be standing there. And if something startles the deer, the deer takes off and it runs as fast as it can, but it doesn't run forever. Once, it, once its brains tells it, hey, you're out of danger, it stops. Its heart rate slows down. Its thinking slows down. The blood pressure in the vessels in the body begin to deconstrict, and it goes back to normal. The problem with most of us as human beings is we have a part of our brain that they don't have that allows us to be thinking about danger even when danger is not present. And so for modern day humans, the danger may not be physical. It may not be a hunter in the woods, but the brain's response remains the same. Stay with me. This natural tendency to to resist change is often referred to as the status quo bias. Okay, the status quo bias. Now, what is the status quo bias? The status quo bias is just a preference. It's your preference, whether you know it or not to remain in your current state of affairs or a reluctance to disrupt the familiarity of our known world. In other words, I know what it's like to be broke. Mm. I know what it's like to be sick. I can manage my sickness, but when you start talking to me about doing X, Y, and Z so that I'm not sick, it's not that I don't not wanna be sick anymore, It's that I am afraid of the change that it will take because I've gotten so used to managing even this thing that I don't want. And so many people go through their life managing the thing they don't want because they're afraid of the change or the uncertainty that may come as a result of going to a new place. We call that status quo bias. See, it's why we stay in jobs that we don't like. I don't like the job. I don't like the boss. I don't like the pay. I don't like the hours. I don't like the benefits. And someone says, well, why don't you just apply for another job? And in your mind, you can't fathom why you would do that. Why? Because at this job, I at least know when my boss is in a bad mood. I at least know that my coworkers talk about me. I at least know how how much my check's gonna be and how I'm gonna have to rob Peter to pay Paul. I at least know X, Y and Z. And so I stay in this situation because I have a preference, whether I'm aware of it or not, I have a preference to remain in my current state of affairs or a reluctance to disrupt those current state of affairs by doing something that I don't know the outcome is going to be. And that is the reason that I can talk to people and I say to people, yes, we moved our church from Fayetteville to Irving, Texas. Yes, we moved our church from Irving, Texas to Conway, Arkansas. Yes, we moved our church from Conway, Arkansas, to Northwest Arkansas. Yes, we took our church from being a solely in-person ministry to a now most of our partners are virtual. Why? Because we're not afraid any longer of change and uncertainty. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of change. We're not afraid of doing the next thing. But if you are the the enemy, your own flesh can keep you trapped and paralyzed through this status quo bias. Okay. now, as much as we might resist it, as much as we might resist it, change is going to be a fundamental part of our lives. So it's important for us to recognize and understand the inherent bias so we can challenge it when it's necessary. I've learned from my own personal experiences about embracing change, that even when it's uncomfortable, it often leads to personal growth and new opportunities. I can't tell you how many things I've done afraid, but I did them. And as a result of doing them, even when there was some fear and consternation there, once I did it, the thing worked out and was far better for me than it was before I tried. it. That's right. You, you, Mama saying said, I am not afraid of change. Somebody else, everybody ought to type that in the comment section. I am not afraid of change. I am not afraid of change. See, it's not, change is not, it's not always easy, Right. I'm not saying that change is easy. It takes resilience. It takes adaptability. And sometimes it takes what we call a grand leap of faith in order to make the change. But I I, I read somewhere, and I've heard my wife say this, and then I read the scripture we read today, and so I need you to put this in the comment section. Say, I can do hard things. I'm not afraid of change, and I can do hard things. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. I am not afraid of change. And I can do hard things. Now, as we've stated before, uncertainty is a fundamental part of life. Yet it's sometimes that most of us find deeply unsettling. We find change deeply unsettling. When we can't predict or control what's coming next, it takes away our ability to feel like we are in control of things. And it can make us feel uncomfortable. It can make us feel anxious. And for some of us, it can even make us feel afraid. And this is the reason why. Here's the reason why. First thing is it's important to understand that the human mind is a prediction machine, okay? Your brain right now is calculating multiple predictions about the activities that you are going to engage in for the rest of this afternoon. Your mind is saying, if I go here, what's the predictability that this is going to be a favorable outcome? If I make this phone call, what's going to be the predictability that it's going to be the right time to make this phone call? Even when you are unaware, your brain is working like a machine. It is working like a machine because it is a prediction machine. And as a result, we are constantly making predictions about our future based on past experiences. Why? Because this allows us to navigate the world effectively, take an appropriate action based on what we can expect to happen next. But when we face uncertainty, it means that our brain doesn't have the information necessary in order to make accurate predictions. When your brain can't make an accurate prediction, it almost begins to spaz out and tells you not to do anything. Because remember, your brain is designed to keep you safe. It is the reason why we teach, and we're pastors, and so we teach this, that the number one thing everybody who says that they, that everybody can really do, but especially those who say they're believers, the number one thing you can learn to do is to hear from God. Why? Because if I hear from God, then I can use what God said to override my brain when it doesn't have the right information to make the right predictability right? So I can override it. But if I don't have a word from God, if I don't believe in God, I don't trust in God, I don't trust in anything except for my own brain, then what happens when my, when it's time for me to make a decision and my brain doesn't have the right information to make the right predictable outcome and my body starts to resist that, then I end up being stuck or in a place of paralysis until I, until something happens that I get enough information. But that's not designed, that's not how we're designed to live. And the problem with this is that this itself can be very unsettling. It can leave us in a place where we feel like we have no control. And because of this psychological impact of uncertainty, uh, it can be profound on our lives. I was reading. Uh, the the past couple of weeks as I was prepping for this particular podcast, just trying to find some studies and and trying to understand the psychological, I I get the spiritual part behind it, but I wanted to understand a little more about the psychological part behind it. And I found some studies and there were some studies that said that uncertainty, now listen to me, uncertainty can be more stressful than knowing that something bad will definitely happen. Now, now you think about that for a moment. Studies, there was a Harvard, there was a study out of Harvard and one out of Stanford. And it showed that, that that uncertainty can actually have more impact on our physiological being than knowing that something bad will definitely happen. And that is because uncertainty stimulates a part of our brain called the amygdala. And that part of our brain is responsible for detecting fear and preparing us for emergency events. Here's what they said in the study. In the study, they said that they gave people who were in the study the opportunity to pick up a pot. And sometimes the pot would give them a light shock. It wouldn't hurt them, but it would give them a light shock. And then they gave them the opportunity to pick up a pot that they knew for sure, watch this, they knew for sure would shock them. And the stress level of the people in the study group, their stress level went down when they knew for sure that the pot was going to give them a light shock, as opposed to picking up the pot where they may not have received a shock. And so what the study began to show, and they they did this repeated study over different things with different people, with different studies, and it showed that uncertainty is actually more stressful to us than knowing something bad is definitely going to happen. And so if that's the truth, then we have to learn to retrain how we deal and handle with change and uncertainty. Now, uncertainty can trigger the same fight or flight response that we'd have if we were facing a clear, immediate danger like seeing some kind of dangerous animal or a person. Pastor Sean and I laugh and joke all the time. People talk about, oh, y'all got bobcats in Arkansas. Y'all got bears in Arkansas. Y'all got panthers and coyote and fox in Arkansas. And Pastor Sean and I laugh and joke all the time. And we said, none of those things are ever going to get us unless they come to Walmart because we don't go where they are right? But if I happen to see one of those wild animals in Walmart, I am going to have one or two of those, refu- those responses. I am either going to flight and run, or I am going to fight. Here's the problem. Research has shown us that chronic uncertainty, see, I'm not worried every day about whether I'm going to see a bear in Walmart, right? But if you live in a state of being where you have a constant worry about something, and it doesn't have to be an animal. It can be how you're going to pay your bills. It can be whether your marriage is going to work out. It can be whether or not you're going to ever get over that health challenge. Whatever it is that you're facing that, that, that has to do with change and uncertainty, research tells us that anytime we face chronic uncertainty, and chronic uncertainty is defined as ongoing, persistent uncertainty over a prolonged period of time that that can lead us to a state of something called constant hypervigilance, constant hypervigilance, which results, if we're not careful, in the human body being exhausted. It can can lead to burnout, uh, which can then lead to a myriad of other health challenges. In some cases, people can develop anxiety disorders or they can develop depression. Why? Because they're constantly in a state of fight or flight it never ends. Remember the example I told you about the deer? If you startle a deer, the deer's going to run. It's going to get away from you. But once that deer has gotten away from you, it's almost like he forgot you was even there. Their brain is designed to send them back to a normal uh, state of being. But as humans, we have different parts of our brains, that part of our brain called the amygdala that is, is constantly assessing danger. Well, once the bill comes, just because you put the bill in the drawer, your brain doesn't go, oh, we don't have that bill anymore. No, your brain's thinking about that bill while you're at dinner. Your brain is thinking about that bill while you're with your kids. Your brain is thinking about that bill when uh, when you're out with your friends. It's constantly there. And as a result, if we don't learn how to maintain those things, our body stays in a constant state of flight. That means that old ancient relic hormone, cortisol, is constantly being pumped into our bodies. It's constantly being pumped into our bodies. And and while that that hormone is designed to help us flee from danger, it's not something we're supposed to be constantly producing in our body because if it over a long period of time, it causes us to have a bunch of other health challenges. Does that make sense? All right. Listen, uncertainty also impacts our decision-making. Under conditions of uncertainty, when we are in that flight state, we tend to make more um, reckless decisions. Uh, Sometimes we make more conservative decisions. We will avoid taking risks that we should take in order to get us to the next level of living. We also tend to rely more on speculation rather than hard evidence. When we are in a state of, uh, of uncertainty, we take a lot of mental shortcuts. We don't think through things. You ever have somebody and you wonder to yourself, how could they make such a dumb decision? I know we've all been there. We probably hopefully you've asked yourself that before. How in the world did so and so make a decision? Why would they do this? Why would they do X, Y and Z? And as pastors, Pastor Sean and I, we hear a lot of people's problems, but we hear it from a time when they're in a state of flight. And we go, why in the world would they have made that decision? Well, they make those decisions because they take mental shortcuts. They don't think through the process. They make they make unwise decisions because they're, they're in a, a, a flight or, 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 or fight kind of scenario. You know, I don't know that, that many of you watch it, and hopefully you don't. But back in the day, I used to watch a bunch of scary movies. I don't watch them anymore, uh, especially those with all the demonic stuff in it. But I used to watch scary movies. And, and you ever seen a scary movie and the people in the movie make the dumbest decision? They actually script those movies that way because that's what happens in real life when you are in a flight scenario. You ever seen someone be, be, be running from somebody and they fall down and you start screaming at the screen, get up, get up, run, run. Don't, don't just lay there. Well, their brain is not allowing them to make the best decisions possible. Well, that is true for you, even if you're not being chased by some monster with a chainsaw. But if you're being plagued by a doctor's report, you're being plagued because your kids are not living according to the way you prayed for them to live. Your, your, your kids are, are, are not doing well in school. You don't know how you're going to pay for school. Uh, your job is, is, is really stressing you out. Or maybe you even just got unemployed. All of those things lead us to living in a state of constant flight. And because of that flight or fight response, what happens is, is we begin to perceive everything in our life as, as a survival mode, right? And, and, and what happens is, is then there's another part of our body that kicks in, right? It's called our, automi- our, our autonomic nervous system. Now, what some of you who've been in school, you've heard about the autonomic nervous system before. It has to do with what prepares our body for rapid action right? And there's nothing wrong with being ready for rapid action. But in order for you to be prepared for rapid action, your heart rate has to go up, right? That means that there's there's blood that's being taken from other parts of your body and is being strengthened in your muscles, in your legs, and in your arms in order for you to be able to have rapid response. But when that is happening, when that is happening, you are not thinking your best. You're not in a place to make the best decisions. And so when we encounter these unknown situations, our brain then is struggling to predict what's gonna happen next. It doesn't have all the resources it needs to even make the prediction. And as a result, this unpredictability begins to get interpreted as a potential threat. It triggers our fight or flight response. We become hyper alert, our heart rate increases, our breathing becomes rapid, and then sometimes we start to sweat all of this prepares us to either confront the threat or to run away from it. To confront the threat or run away from it. And while this response is excellent when dealing with immediate threats like I just saw a snake, it becomes problematic when I live in this state around things that I have to deal with every single day. In this state of heightened alertness and stress, When it's sustained over a long period of time, it leads to chronic illness, chronic stress, and even some anxiety disorders. Therefore, it is crucial to learn how to deal with this. Somebody says, why are we talking about this? To get to this point right here, we got to learn how to deal with any fear that's in our life, with any uncertainty that's in our life. We got to learn how to manage our reactions to uncertainty in a healthy and productive way. Now, There is this thing I said I wanted to talk about, and it's called uncertainty uh, intolerance. And I'm going to define it for you, because this is important. Uncertainty intolerance is a psychological concept, right? It is described as an individual's inability, watch this, to endure the adverse response triggered by the perceived absence of relevant, key or sufficient information and sustained by the associated perception of uncertainty. Somebody says what is all of that? That was my question too as I was reading through it. But here's the thing. I'm going I asked the Lord. I said, "Lord, give me an example that I can use that people will really understand." And I think you'll get this. We're talking about uncertainty, right? Intolerance. A lot of us have it and we don't even realize it. It's called uncertainty intolerance and here's an example, okay? Let's think about this like you are really afraid of surprises. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, I don't like surprises. They say, oh, I don't like surprises. I don't like surprise birthday parties. I don't don't want nobody to give me no surprise party, no surprise going away. I don't like surprises. So let's think about this. You know how sometimes on your birthday you have a wrapped present, right? Somebody's wrapped a present for you and you're not really sure what's inside of it. Most children, when they see a present, no matter what's inside of it, they feel excited and they can't wait to open it to see whatever it is on the inside of it, right? That is being okay with uncertainty. I got a gift. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. I'm already excited and I don't even know what's in the box, okay? You don't know what's inside of the box, but you're happy and excited about it anyway. That's what happens with young children. Over time, we experienced disappointments, maybe not with birthdays, but with other things that were surprised. We got surprised that our mom and dad was getting divorced. We got a, we got surprised that, I, that a loved one uh, passed away. Uh, we got surprised that someone we, we loved and thought was going to make a recovery didn't, and they passed away. Those things begin to create on the inside of us something called uncertainty intolerance. Now, imagine instead, if you would, OK, that you felt really scared and really worried about what was inside that rat box. You were really, really afraid when someone gave you a gift, you know, because you start to think, oh, my God, what if something in this box is something I don't like? Or what if it's something scary because somebody scared me one time when I was a kid and they put a snake in the box and it jumped out at me? Or something uh, that you're allergic to? What if somebody's going to give me something that's going to harm me? Then you might feel, watch this, so worried about what's in the box that you don't even want to open the box. You might keep asking uh, other people, your mom, your dad, your friends, you might ask them to try to peek inside the box for you or even to, uh, you might even feel like running away from the present altogether, and just leaving it on the ground. That's what we call uncertainty intolerance. It's when someone feels so worried about not knowing what's going to happen that it makes them feel scared or nervous that they try to avoid the surprise altogether. They want to know exactly what's gonna happen they wanna know when it's gonna happen. They know who. They wanna know who's gonna be involved. And as a result, the entire birthday present that was designed to be a surprise for you ends up being a source of anxiety and stress. And it can be tough for people who feel this way to go through life. Why? Because you cannot predict everything. I know people who I have worked with. I have helped them get their resume together. They have gotten their resume together. They've sent their resume out. They've gotten the interview and they got ready to go to the interview and they didn't go. And I would say to them, why didn't you go to the interview? And they would say, oh, I was just worried that if I went, it was gonna be a bad interview. How do you know if you don't go? But because they had this uncertainty and tolerance on the inside of them, it was easier for them To not go to the job interview and to stay at home and stay in a job they didn't like rather than taking the uncertainty, rather than taking the leap of faith and going to the job interview and even if you weren't picked for it, at least getting over the fear of being rejected. See, we we, we don't think about these things because we only typically think of how they impact us. But all of us, to some degree, have suffered if we haven't done the work from this uncertainty and tolerance. Oh, I, 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 I just I don't I don't know what it's like to trust God. Uncertainty, intolerance. But what if well, what if I trust God and it doesn't work out? Uncertainty, intolerance. Well, I really love this person and I really want to get married. But what if I ask them and they say no? Uncertainty, intolerance. We really have to make We really have to make sure in our mind that we are dealing with the actual problem rather than the perceived problem, okay? So people who live and people who function with this high uh, uncertainty intolerance, they find it absolutely unacceptable that a negative event could occur. And they do everything in their life, even staying stuck, even staying in the same position to ensure that they do not experience something new and negative. However, small the possibility of its occurrence may be, they do not want to experience. They avoid it at all costs. So it's great. I go to church because it's predictable. I shout because it's predictable. I give because it's predictable. But I don't have any expectation of anything else because I don't want to be disappointed if things don't work out. See, as a result, they end up going through life with what I call these maladaptive behaviors. They, they, they go through life constantly uh, checking and rechecking. Uh, they go through life uh, practicing in avoidance techniques or, 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 or being, being um, not confident in unfamiliar situations. And as a result of that, this uncertainty and tolerance begins to manifest in other areas of their life. Well, what are some other areas of their life that it can manifest in? If you have ever participated, and I know I have before, in procrastination that is a result of uncertainty and tolerance it's not just because you wanted to wait to do it it's that you knew what the current state of being was and you didn't want to have to get involved in doing something new uh here's another uncertainty intolerance in a way it can show up in your life i was guilty of this over planning some people uh, attempt to plan every possible scenario trying to mitigate every feeling of uncertainty. But if you live your life that way, all it does is increase your anxiety because your brain begins to constantly make those predictions about what you didn't plan for. So I'm not saying don't plan, planning is good, but you don't wanna be in a state of over planning so that it ends up causing you anxiety and stress. Here's here's one that a lot of people engage in. It's, It's a little different than procrastination. It's called avoidance. And avoidance is when you just avoid any kind of situation uh, that's new to you so that you can reduce your unpredictability. Uh, Most of you know, we tell our testimony about Jordan all the time, and you've heard that testimony before. But one of Jordan's things that we've had to work on is avoidance. Uh, Jordan got her driver's license and then waited two years before we could really force her to even learn how to drive. Because she just wanted to avoid the idea of having to drive a car. Another thing it shows up as uncertainty and tolerance, it can show up as perfectionism, which is an attempt to control every outcome. No matter how talented you are, you're never going to be perfect at everything. And so you have to make sure that you understand when these things show up, what is the best way to deal with those? And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Some strategies for coping with those, okay? Okay. Here are some strategies you can use, okay? You can use breathing exercises, right? Because breathing exercises help us to slow down our breathing. If you feel yourself being anxious, you feel yourself being um, on on edge because something's about to happen and you don't know what it's going to be, learn to practice breathing. I use a breathing technique. to. I used to couldn't go to sleep at night, right? And I couldn't go to sleep at night because my brain, was literally going 100 miles an hour. It was like I was laying down. I would begin to think of one thing and that one thing would spin out like a web. And that one thing became five and the five became 25 and the 25 became 100. And before you know it, I went to bed at 1030 and it was 330 AM and I'm still laying in the bed thinking. Uh, And it started to have an impact on my health. And so I learned some breathing techniques. And one of the breathing techniques I use is something called four, seven, eight. It's called four, seven, eight. And all it means is that I inhale for four seconds, right? I hold it for seven seconds and I breathe out for eight. And at first I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. I didn't think it was going to work, but I'm telling you, when I learned to do that, it learned to slow my heart rate down. It learned to slow my thinking down. And then I learned another technique in which I take now when I get ready to actually go to sleep. Like if I want to force myself to go to sleep, I breathe in for 10 seconds and then I breathe out for 10 seconds. Usually by the second time I've done that on that 10th one with my eyes closed, I'm gone. I'm gone, I'm asleep for the night. Plus I've trained my body now that when I get ready to do it, my body knows, oh, breathing technique, it's time to shut it down. And so my brain helps me to stop thinking. That's right, Rob, I use it as well. I, thought it was go- I didn't think it was gonna work, I thought it was crazy, I thought this ain't gonna do nothing. But, but breathing in, nice deep breath for four seconds, Holding it with your eyes closed for about seven seconds and then exhaling out, taking the time to breathe out in eight seconds absolutely helps. You know, there are other things you can you can use. You can use things like um, physical activity. Right. Uh, If if you're feeling stressed, move your body, move your body. People who suffer from depression, one of the things most reputable um, therapists and counselors will tell them is that they move. They need to move their body. Right, because when you move your body, you release chemicals and hormones uh, and endorphins and other things that allow you, right? It allows you to overcome uh, the cortisol that's being uh, released in your body that's causing you that flight or fight response, which is then ultimately leading to some of this anxiety and this depression, right? Another thing you can do is you can practice what they call guided imagery. This is a technique that involves imagining something peaceful, something calm. You might imagine being at the beach. You might imagine uh, being in a forest. You might imagine uh, going on a nice walk with someone that you love. It's a it's a it's a practice of visualization, right? You might visualize what it's like with, to not have the concerns that you have, right? Um, And and what you try to do in this is you try to involve as many of your senses as possible. What can you see? What can you hear? What can you smell? What can you taste? I do this sometimes if if I find myself being stressed, I think about what it's like to walk with Jesus. I think about what it's like to, to, to just be in his presence and to see every problem I have just disappearing and going away. Listen, I, I, I try to practice what, it, what heaven would smell like. I practice what it would, how bright it would be, and I get all of my senses involved, and it slows my breathing down and all of those other things. Why am I teaching this? Because there's so many people in the body of Christ. There are so many people who are good people. There are so many people who love God, and they are absolutely 100% stressed. They are stressed, stressed, stressed. And so these are different things uh, that you can do. You can go online and you can research all the things that you can learn to do that might work for you. Because why 478 works for me and it works for Ra and, and Pastor Nature says she teaches her clients that it may not work for you. If it doesn't work for you, there are other strategies that you can try. All right. And then let's finish up by talking about the positive aspects of change and uncertainty. There are some positive things you have to learn how to change your viewpoint you have to learn how to see things differently you can't always see change as bad you can't always see change as uncertainty right i read something that said this it said a comfort zone is a beautiful place but nothing grows there did you hear that a comfort zone is a beautiful place but nothing grows there and because nothing grows there because nothing grows in the comfort zone When you want something more, you have to be willing to move out of your comfort zone, okay? Here's another positive uh, aspect of change. Change encourages self-reflection. As we navigate through different phases of our lives, we get opportunities to evaluate our beliefs, our values, and our desires. It prompts introspection. It encourages us to question our own assumptions, and it provides a platform for us to to redefine uh, what it is that we believe is possible. Okay, And so that's the positive thing about about change. Change allows me to be self-reflective. Here's another thing. Change introduces to me new perspectives. When I allow change and uncertainty to be a part of my natural life, it allows me to be in a state where I'm always willing to see new perspectives. When we experience change, especially those involving new environments where we're exposed to different ways of thinking and doing things, This broadens our view and fosters more empathy, which Pastor Sean was talking about earlier, having compassion for people, understanding in an open mind. Right. And so we want to embrace change. We want to embrace uncertainty. I'm not talking about change for change's sake, but, you know, in our ministry, we're constantly talking about how can we do things differently? And people go, why would you want to do it differently? Because you want to always be in a place where you can be more impactful where you can see something from a different lens. It doesn't mean we change things that are working, but it does mean we look for ways to improve them. And then lastly, change enhances our adaptability. Most people are not able to go to the next level because they lack adaptability. By successfully navigating through changes, we build confidence in our life. We have an ability to handle future uncertainties. And we learn that we can not only survive, but we can thrive when new opportunities show up. Therefore, while change in some cases can indeed trigger some fear, some anxiety, it can also be a powerful catalyst for growth and self-discovery. But only if we learn to embrace that change rather than resist it. We have to allow it to teach us how to grow and how to evolve and how to be better versions of ourselves. We have to allow that change and that uncertainty to allow us uh, to be able to become new when we face new opportunities. And so one of the things that we can do to ensure that is we have to say, you know what? When change and uncertainty show up, I'm going to allow it to stimulate my creativity. I'm going to allow it to fuel my innovation. I'm going to allow it to encourage me to take more risk. I'm going to allow it to make me be more adaptable. And when I do that, change becomes less scary. Change and uncertainty doesn't become a powerful force over me, but a powerful force for me. Okay. And so I want you to just think about, I want you to go back and think about the areas in your own personal life, right? Where, where you have been reluctant to face change and uncertainty. And I want you to make the decision that going forward, that going forward, you're going to embrace change and that you're going to embrace that uncertainty. You're not going to allow uncertainty and tolerance to be something in your life that stops you from seeing what's next. In fact, go ahead as we close and type this in the comments. There's about 50 of you left. Type this in the comment. Say, I embrace uncertainty. I embrace uncertainty. You may think, well, why in the world would I embrace uncertainty? Well, you only got two choices. You can either embrace it or be afraid of it because you're not going to stop it from coming. Uncertainty is going to happen. And so I embrace uncertainty. Why do I embrace it? Because it's going to let me be more creative. It's gonna fuel my, creati- my creativity, right? It's gonna make me more adaptable. It's gonna give me the opportunity to, uh, to see something new, to have a new perspective. It's not gonna be a paralyzing effect on my life, right? I appreciate you guys, listen, for joining in. I've gotta go, I thank you for being here with me this hour. Listen, dealing with change and uncertainty does not have to be scary. You can do it, why? Because you said earlier, You can do hard things. And I believe in you. I believe you can do hard things. And I believe those hard things will become easy things for you when you embrace change and uncertainty. God bless you all. Listen, don't forget, join me and Pastor Sean tonight at 7 p.m. We're going to be doing Relationships 101. We're going to be talking about finding love again. We got some great guests who are going to be on there. It's going to be informative. I guarantee you it's going to be funny. It's going to be some fun things said and some funny things said, because that's just who we are. But you're going to want to come and you're going to want to be a part. So tell your friends, tell your family. Join us at seven o'clock tonight for Relationships 101. I'm Pastor Strick, and this has been another episode. Of air and I thank you for being. God bless.